Hello, misfits. This is Kate. And this is Kevin. Welcome to Horrorwood. Horrorwood. closet i love it (laughs) i notice new clothes every time i know they're not new i was gonna say i have not bought clothes right but i just notice different things i also have a little fall candle up on the thing there it's not lit because it's already kind of strong sure but it is is it good it i love it it's pre pre pre-october it's the last August episode before September. And you have to get your Patreons in. Yes. Great segue there, Kevin. Subscribe to the Patreon if you want the fall gift package. We just have to know who's a Patreon subscriber by September 1st. Yeah. So you have through this week uh, to subscribe. Mm -hmm. And if you are signed up, then you're going to get a little goodie package in the mail from Kevin and I. Goodies. And speaking of Patreon, Mm. so a few of you out there who tried to sign up or were already signed up were declined uh, your payments, which usually just means like whatever card you have on file with Patreon Mm. has expired and you just have to update it. But double check if you if you have not gotten a shout out, then you are not subscribed. If you don't have access to the Patreon episodes, you are not subscribed. And if you just double check your account, make sure that your payment went through because several of yours didn't. Oh no. So I just want to like double check to make sure it's people that want to be on the Patreon. Maybe sure. you don't and that's fine too. Yeah, but if you, you want. do want to be on it and you think you are, just double check so mm-hmm. that uh, we can get that present out to you. Yes. Get it in the mail. Whoop, whoop. Also, before we start, Bob Barker. Oh no. I saw that briefly for a second and I got really upset. So I scrolled past as Yeah, that was really sad. But he lived to 99 years old. That's pretty amazing. And I love that literally everyone on social media is like, got as close as he could to 100 without going over. Oh my God. I was like, were people, oh, I was like, that's actually pretty good. That's a good one. Yeah. I like it. He would have liked it too. Yeah, I think so. Also, we got a really nice comment on YouTube, and I just want to shout this person out. So Brenda Ramos or Ramos, you know who you are. Thank you for that really nice comment. She had something to say about the Judith Barcy case, which Mm. was the little girl. Mm -hmm. And it was just really thoughtful. And she, uh, I'm not going to read it because that would be weird if I did that. But uh, it was just a really, really thoughtful, complimentary comment. Nice. And then it made me think like, how often do I actually reach out to creators and thank them? Thank them for what they do. For yeah. their work and like mm-hmm. putting in the research and the time. And I was like, I need to do that more because it makes me feel so good when people do that for us. And mm-hmm. then I was like, I don't think I reciprocate. Yeah, I don't usually comment on stuff. I don't either. I just, I've, I used to, I feel like as I've grown older, 
I just don't do it anymore. Yeah, I want to try to start because let's, let's make a deal, Kate. Okay, Kevin. Let's comment three times on something that we enjoy this week. Oh, okay. Will there be a quiz next week? Yeah. I'm going to be like, what did you call? I'm going to look for your, I'm going to social media <laughs> stalk you oh, no. and see where you're commenting. Okay. Well, I guess I got to get on it then. I'm nervous. I am too. Because <laughs> <laughs> people just, I think it's also a fear of people being like, no, boo. And then turning into a troll, you know? You know, I do feel, that's why I think I'm always taken so aback when someone says something positive because I do feel like there's so much negativity oh, out yeah, there yeah. and people are just horrible on social media and the internet in general. So when someone takes the time, I thought I saw a spider on that show. Kate, don't even joke about it, it was a button. It was, no. it's a button. I, I was start like hyperventilating in the background. <laughs> Everything's okay. Spiders. <laughs> it's okay. I, what was I saying? Oh, we were talking about trolls and yeah. negative comments. I feel like, you know, when someone does reach out with something positive, it's mm-hmm. like so refreshing. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So Brenda, thank you. Yeah. So we're speaking of fall and the new fall candle that we have happening in this and closet. And I noticed that it's just it's just called leaves. leaves. Bath and Body Works. They were having a sale. I have a f- a fifty dollar gift card to Bath and Body Works. Are you a member, like a loyalty point? No. Them? Kevin, get on it because get they it? have so many good deals. Okay. I want their, so last year I was obsessing over their Halloween stuff. Yes. And I never bought anything. Oh. Because they kept selling out. Yeah, they do that. Like I wanted, there was this really cool ghost hand sanitizer holder that was like disco ball. Yeah. And I wanted it so bad, but it was out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. Mm -hmm. And I eventually I gave up. Oh no. So this year I'm going to go to, I I wanted to call it like B and BBW, but that doesn't work. BBW. It took me a minute, but okay, uh, yeah. Bath and Body I'm gonna Works. go to Bath and Body Works. Bath and Body Works for those of us who need the full words. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna have a great time. Yeah, you are. And I'm gonna spend my gift card. Yes. I'm gonna buy a candle. Yes. I'm gonna buy hand sanitizer. Yes. Vampire blood spray. I think it's called. It is called that. I'm wearing the. The stuff. vampire, vampire repellent. repellent today as well. Kate. Good, I'm because glad. I'm going to be around a lot of people, and they will and drain your be energy. There's going to some energy vampires in there. I know there will I can, be. I can sense them. I'm glad that I sent you or gave you that because I feel like you of all people have to deal with more energy vampires than anyone else, and you need protection from Thank it. Thank you, Kate. You're Thank so welcome. You. Uh, so speaking of fall and Halloween and spooky things, the PSLs have arrived at Starbucks. PSL. I personally don't like pumpkin spice. I'm a chai latte kind of girl. Chai tea latte. Okay. That, yeah, I can see that. I think chai is a little more like spicy. Yeah, I like it. And you like, okay, I get it. I'm spicy. I'm zesty. Love pumpkin spice. I will do anything. I'm one of the base. I like the basic people that walk around all fall. He's I literally just, holding. I'm holding a, a coffee. Mm, it's got pumpkin spice syrup in it. It's delicious. Mm. All of a sudden, I like bend over and then come back and have like a wide brimmed hat on and some like UGG boots. Why? Because basic. <laughs> Isn't that like the stereotypical like basic white girl? I guess I wasn't thinking of wide brimmed hats, but now I do. Yeah. But usually instead of, well, I guess Uggs too, but also like the boots. Yeah. 
because I do have the over the jean boots and they're going to come out soon. That's okay. I think so. I think it's fine. I mean, look, I'm basic and I own it. I just don't care for pumpkin spice. I totally heard you sip that pumpkin spice. Did you hear that, listeners? It's delicious. (laughs) It's pumpkin. It's fall. The weather is changing. Not really. It's supposed to be 100 degrees again. But today it's very pleasant. Yes, it is temperate. Yes, I went to the track this morning. It was so nice. There was a nice Mm. breeze. I was listening to Red Handed. Do you listen to them? No. Oh, Kevin. <gasps> Red-handed, is it a podcast? It's a true crime podcast, okay. and you will love it. I'm excited. It. It's so fun. They're okay. really great. So I was listening to them because I'm all caught up on Morbid, and I was like, I'm going to have to listen to something else. And sometimes I forget that they exist, which is insane because they're so good. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to one of their cases, and it was really fun. Um, and then it got me into the mood for this case, <sighs> which is going to be a two-parter. Sure. Because... We're talking about the Brandos. Whoa. And you've been working on this for a while, Kevin. Well, I feel like when I joined, like when I first joined the pod, <laughs> you were like, I'm working on this Brando thing. It's, they, there's a lot. Uh, yeah. And some of it, I mean, I had to keep going back because the, the story can take a lot of different directions. Okay. And I was like, no, I need to focus it on what's at hand here, which is a murder. And... I can save the other things for a different time, okay. a different episode, mm-hmm. which I will do because, oh boy. But these Brandos, Kevin, they are just Brandoing it up all over the all place. All over town. Yes. So picture it. Hollywood, 1990. It was an unseasonably chilly day for Los Angeles in May, with a high of 67 degrees and a low of 55. Dag Drolet, the father of Marlon Brando's yet-to-be-born grandson, was sitting in the den of Marlon's Hollywood Hills home, watching TV and minding his own damn business, when suddenly, Marlon's oldest son Christian bursts into the room. Christian wanted to confront Dag about something Cheyenne, Christian's younger half-sister, had mentioned to him over dinner. Mm-hmm. Just moments later, Dag Drolet was dead. Nah. Was it premeditated murder or a scare tactic that went awry? What? So to understand how we got here, we got to look into the past of all the key players, which are all now, sadly, deceased what is marlon brando no okay he died many many years ago okay my bad i think in 2004 okay christian davy brando sorry that's not my first paragraph christian brando (laughs) sorry i need another sip of coffee my third one (laughs) let me grab my psl you do that it's not really a latte it's cold brew with pumpkin but you know hey same thing kind of i mean it's still pumpkin so Mm. <laughs> Heaven. Okay. Well, I like projectile vomit. I was gonna say, <laughs> what's happening over there? Oh God. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. I'm gonna. <clears throat> Christian Brando was the firstborn son of Marlon Brando. Like his dad, he was an actor, but he only acted in a handful of films. It wasn't like really his thing. Mm. Unlike his dad, he was a convicted killer. Christian Davy Brando was born on May 11, 1958 in Los Angeles to his parents Marlon Brando and Anna Koshfi. 
Marlon and Anna had married only a few months prior and only because Anna had gotten pregnant. Marlon was known around Hollywood as a playboy, so the fact that he was settling down, as they say, came as quite a shock. Mm. But perhaps the people who were most surprised were Anna's parents, William and Phoebe O'Callaghan. William and Phoebe were born in England, and William was of Irish descent. He was a traffic superintendent and had gotten a job in India working on the Indian State Railways. Wow. And it was in India that he and Phoebe had their daughter, who they named Joan Mary O'Callaghan, not Anna Kashfi. Joan lived with her parents in India for most of her childhood before the family relocated to Wales, where her father got a job working in a factory. Joan worked a couple of different jobs as a teenager. She was a waitress. She worked in an ice cream parlor. She was a cashier at a butcher shop. She also attended the Cardiff College of Art in Wales, where she studied design. So she was kind of all over, doing everything. Have you been to Wales? I've not. I went to Cardiff for a couple days when I was studying abroad oh, nice. in, in London. I liked it a lot. It was really nice. Oh, cool. Cardiff, is it's on a bay, I think. Okay. Really nice fun place to go i went to i mean i studied abroad right. as well i but no i did not go there i had to think for a second but i didn't go there i took a bus it was like a little bus trip for cheap it was nice oh, like a bus a tour or no like it just took the bus up to cardiff and then stayed in a hostel with a couple friends oh okay and, cool yeah, i had a good time nice anna slash joan didn't love cardiff she during her late teens and early 20s moved to london and got work as a sales girl in a couple of different clothing shops and she would also model the clothes for the shop hey hey joan was signed with a london modeling agency uh. headed by glenn mortimer who helped joan transform into anna Koshfi. mortimer just the way that sounds right <laughs> i like it i do too she got the name Anna because Joan would sometimes go by Joanna, so she just shortened it. Oh, okay. And Kashfi was the name of a good friend of Glenn's, Glenn the agent. Yeah. Now going by Anna Kashfi, she began presenting herself as an Indian model. Initially, people didn't question her ethnicity. She had an Indian passport because that's where she was born. And she had an olive complexion and dark hair. However, a former classmate of hers said, quote, her skin coloring was always dark, but there are many Irish with the same coloring. Yeah. So there's that. No, that's, that doesn't sound great. It's not. The classmate went on to say, <laughs> I don't think Joan was particularly happy at home. The mm. O'Callaghan's never had much money, and Joan, in her sweet, quiet way, wanted to get ahead. While modeling in London, Anna got a meeting with Richard Meeland, who at the time was the managing director of Paramount British Productions. Nice. Paramount was shooting the film The Mountain, starring Spencer Tracy, and they wanted an actress to play a Hindu girl for nope. a bit part in the film. Anna got the part. Uh, different times. Different times. She was flown out to Hollywood, and it was while she was working on the film The Mountain that Marlon Brando noticed her in the commissary at Paramount, staring at her from across the room over his turkey sandwich and milkshake. I don't know. Sounds nice. Right? <laughs> he saw her, and he said, I'm going to date that girl. The two eventually began a romance. 
Anna began making a life for herself in Hollywood. And for her, this meant separating herself from her roots, her hometown, and even her parents. Not only had she ditched her birth name, but she adopted a completely different backstory. She claimed her parents were both Indian and that her father was a prominent architect and engineer named Devi Kashfi, and her mother was a woman named Selma Ghosh. Devi is spelled mm-hmm. D-E-V-I, sorry, D-E-V-I. Mm-hmm. It's an Indian name meaning goddess. It comes from the goddess Mahadevi, who was worshipped in India in prehistoric times. Mm. She is known as an all-embracing mother goddess, and primarily the name is given to females. So the fact that Anna said her father was named Devi should already raise some questions, because that would be highly unusual, and I just don't think she realized that. The male version of the name is Deva, so it's like, did she get history confused? Since she's I mean, not I feel like she Indian. grew up there. She should probably know that. One would think. But you never know. Yeah. Also, that's strange to just lie about that. It is. Yeah, but I guess if you're trying to create Impress people and, and create like, like this whole a sort new of life. facade because you don't like your current or your past life. Your actual life. <laughs> your actual <laughs> life. Yeah, you're just going to make up a bunch of shit. Selma Ghosh, the name she said was her mother's, was actually the name of one of the shopkeepers where Anna had worked as a sales girl in London. Why are you smiling? I was just thinking of, I was, sorry, I was, (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about what I would change, like, to tell people about my life. Oh, let's hear it. (laughs) I don't know. What popped into my head, I was like, my mother was Mrs. Potato Head or something. (laughs) stupid that's why i was smiling ridiculously i was like that's really dumb i'm not gonna say that i like that that was what was going through your brain just now and it was all over your face it's like what is happening in his head so crazy so anna had marlon believing this backstory he fully believed he was dating an indian woman when she and Marlon got pregnant unexpectedly, they felt they had to get married. Not only did William and Phoebe O'Callaghan not know their daughter was getting married, but they said she had never even mentioned Marlon in any of the letters that she had written home to Whoa. them. So when word reached Wales that one of the most famous movie stars in the world was marrying Anna Kashfi and there were photos... They were really taken by surprise. Oh, my God. They were like, that's our daughter, and her name's not Anna. Even more surprising was when they learned Anna had given the names Davy Kashfi and Selma Ghosh as her biological parents. William and Phoebe were really hurt, obviously. Oh, my God. I would be so upset. Yeah. Her dad was quoted in a newspaper as saying, quote, Is she ashamed of me because I work in a factory? And her mom said, I think it's Hollywood that's turned her head. When Anna was questioned why her parents didn't attend the wedding, first off, can you imagine that, like, getting married and not telling your parents? I mean, some people don't have a good relationship, and that I understand. But, Mm -hmm. like, for all intents and purposes, things were fine in their home life. I was just just going to ask you that. I was like, was there... Was it tumultuous? Was it, no. you know, were they mean to her? Nope. Did they treat her like garbage? Had a fine and she life. was, she's their only daughter, right? They had a son as well. Oh, they had a son as well, mm-hmm. right. Okay. That, I don't get it. Yeah, it's weird. 
Anna gave the answer that when they asked her why her parents weren't at the wedding, mm-hmm. she said her father, Davy had passed away just a few weeks prior. And her mother, who had been divorced from her father, was remarried to William O'Callaghan. And she wasn't in contact with him. What? Right? So bizarre. First off, that's just like a lot of lies to have to remember. That feels like a lot of work. As for Phoebe O'Callaghan, it was as though she didn't exist because Anna claimed this Selma Ghosh woman was her mom. Selma Ghosh. I hate that name. Well, it, it is a real woman's name. Oh, I'm sorry, Selma. The shopkeeper's name. You have name. a great name, Selma. <laughs> and Ghosh. And Ghosh is like... What so is Ghosh. Ghosh. Yeah. <laughs> and Anna never mentioned the name Phoebe. It was like Phoebe O'Callaghan did not exist. And this is her mom. Yeah. Days after they married... Marlon learned Anna was not who she said she was. The O'Callaghans had the records to prove that Anna Kashfi was Joan O'Callaghan. Marlon was furious. But back then, it wouldn't have been a good look in Hollywood for a pregnant woman to be unmarried or for the world-renowned actor to leave his pregnant bride. The marriage was doomed from the beginning. They were fighting before (laughs) Christian was even born. (laughs) You're like, it was doomed it that i feel like that's how a christmas carol starts off <laughs> the marleys were dead to begin with you know like oh <laughs> i mean that kind it of was is how the story from started the beginning. everyone is dead marlon told friends that he didn't think the marriage would last but he really wanted a kid so he would quote give it a go because that's what you do <laughs> I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to try this. If it doesn't what? work out, whatever. Yeah, it's not it like go. it's a person. Right. When the baby was born, Marlon gave his son the first name Christian after Christian Marcond. I hope I said that right. I looked it up earlier and I've already forgotten. Christian Marcond is the actor-director friend and alleged lover of his. And Anna gave him the middle name Davy after her pretend father. So just imagine growing up. You're named after one parent's alleged lover and the other parent's fake dad. And the fake dad's name is actually meant for Indian females. Two things that you do not identify with. That's a mess. He did not have a chance. That's a mess. That's how, you know, that's how you make a killer. (laughs) These Brandos are messy, I will say. Okay. Marlon would only call him Christian and Anna would only call him Davey. So... That must have been confusing. confusing. Yeah, because when you're a little kid and like each parent is calling you something else. Marlon and Anna's relationship was a tumultuous one, to say the least. Well, it, <laughs> in case I you mean, couldn't tell. Uh, not to mention brief. During their oh, brief. 11-month marriage. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> I don't know why I laughed like that. <laughs> Marlon had multiple affairs that he would bring back to the house. He was cheating on Anna before she'd even given birth, and even after Christian was born, the affairs didn't stop. So that's shitty. Marlon's cheating brought out a rage in Anna, and she was known to become physically abusive toward him. Whoa. A family friend stated, quote, Anna left baby Christian alone in her car parked on Wilshire Boulevard while she confronted Brando in his office, beating at him with her fists in a frenzy of rage. Holy shit. So it's not good. That's that's awful. Also, to leave your child a baby in a car. No. Anywhere. 
but on Wilshire Boulevard, which is like so fucking busy and you're in L.A. and that's terrifying. As Marlon openly flaunted his affairs, Anna turned to drugs and alcohol. No. And of course, this is all happening in front of their son. Yeah. Christian was only a few months old when his parents divorced, and he became the center of a heated and very drawn-out custody battle that lasted years. Ugh. That's terrible. I don't know if I mentioned it at the beginning of this episode, but, like, all of this is bad. Like, no one wins in this case. Everything's bad. It gets worse, and then it's just bad. (laughs) And then the case is over. It's all bad. For the first five years after the divorce, Christian lived with his mom, but it was not a happy household. Years later, Christian would state, quote, I grew up with an extremely violent mother. She drank and we had a lot of problems. Poor thing. Her temper was worsened by her substance abuse. And at one point, Marlon described her as one of the most unhappy and cruel people he had ever met. Side note. Marlon Brando's father was very emotionally absent and his mother was violent and had a temper. And it's just a lot of patterns. Patterns that keep repeating and are transferred down. Yes. (sighs) Hurt people? Hurt people. They do. At one of their many court appearances during the custody battle... Anna slapped Marlon in front of reporters and everyone. There's a picture of it. I'm sorry. I I know he's treating her like shit, but also like stop hitting. I mean, yeah, she's she's treating him like shit, too. It's just it's It's all bad. It's all bad. Oh, no. She and Marlon were seen arguing at Christian's school in one court appearance. (sighs) They're just everywhere. They're everywhere. Fighting. Oh, it's so volatile. It's so volatile. In one court appearance, Anna testified that she had broken into Marlon's home and smashed a table. (laughs) I don't know what that was like going to prove, but she admitted to doing that. And then on another occasion, Marlon broke into a hotel room where she was staying with their son and Marlon took him. Well, is that would that be considered kidnapping? It would, but it doesn't sound like any charges were pressed. Because they were both the parents. Yeah. Crazy. That's insane. You're doing that smile I'm again. I'm sorry. I was just thinking of like them going back and forth, smashing each other's tables. It's so bad. Like she goes and smashes his table. He goes and smashes her table. It like just smashing tables. It's so, it, it's really, really messy. It Everything is. is messy. And like I said, it's all It's all bad. bad. When Christian was around five or six years old, a friend of Anna's went to her house to visit her mm-hmm. and found Anna passed out and lying in her own vomit. Ugh. She had overdosed on barbi- barbiturates. Barbiturates? Barbiturates. Barbiturates, yeah. Barbiturates. I thought you almost said beverages, <laughs> which you can. She had a lot of La Colombe lattes. <gasps> Never. Christian, meanwhile, was outside unsupervised, playing right at the edge of the pool. Oh, it's a wonder he didn't die. Exactly. Like, he's being neglected to a level that should be illegal. Oh, just wait. Oh, Kate. This incident where she passed out would be Mm -hmm. the tipping point that would cause a judge to revoke Anna's custody rights. Wow. And Marlon was awarded temporary Temporary custody. custody. However, he was away a lot filming. He was never around. Right. Therefore, according to the L.A. Times, the court ordered that Christian live with his aunt, Marlon's older sister. 
Under his aunt's guardianship, he spent the next seven or eight years being raised by nannies, and he was sent to a boarding school in Ohio, which is a couple of hours outside of L.A. So he just kept getting handed off to people. First, his mom wasn't stable enough to raise him. He goes to his dad, who's like, I'm working. I don't have time for this. He goes to his aunt, who's like, I don't know what to do with this kid. Let the nanny take care of him. And then he was sent off to boarding school. Jesus Christ. And at such a young age, I mean, those are formative years yeah it definitely messed with his head i can imagine when he was 13 years old while he was at boarding school christian set fire to his dorm room Uh. you've just got a troubled kid he's acting out it is a cry for help marlon was out of the country he was in france shooting last tango in paris so anna took him out of school I'm not sure why at this point the school didn't call his aunt, or maybe they did, and the aunt was like, I'm not dealing with this, call Anna. But regardless, Anna went and picked him up. She shouldn't have done that, though. She doesn't have custody, right? Well, I did read that by this point, Anna and Marlon were sharing custody. Oh, so they it had changed at some point. Yes. Okay. The custody battle lasted for 16 years. What? <laughs> yes. So he just kept getting going back and forth mm-hmm. and it so kept sometimes changing? she had custody, then oh Marlon had custody, God. then they had shared custody. I feel it's, like a court should not It was so messy. Yikes. I mean obviously they should do what's best for the child, but it doesn't sound it, like that their yeah. interests were. Yeah, yeah. After picking him up, do you think she took him home and talked to him about his feelings and provided a safe and loving environment for him to express himself? No, she probably beat him or something awful. She did not beat him, but what she did was definitely something awful. She uh, arranged to have him kidnapped. So she was only supposed to keep Christian for the weekend, but he got bronchitis. So her doctor advised her to keep him for several more days until he was feeling better. It's not mentioned anywhere that I could find, but I'm guessing she was supposed to return him to his aunt's house once he was feeling better, since Marlon was in France. But instead of keeping Christian at home, Anna and her friend James Wooster drove him across the border to Baja, California, Mexico. They got a motel room, and according to Anna, she trusted that James would look after Christian while she returned to Los Angeles. Why would you take your kid to another country with someone and then just leave them there? It makes no Like, the things that she says make zero sense. Hey, gotta run some errands in L.A., but let me just take you to Mexico first, and I'll be back. She's bananas. It is... What? So wild. She claimed Mm -hmm. that when she returned later to the motel, both Christian and James were gone. She ran to a local Mexican police station and said that her son had been kidnapped. According to the authorities there... She was speaking incoherently, but kept talking about this kidnapping. Well, being that this was the son of Marlon Brando, the story was in the papers all over the world the very next day. I feel, okay, this might be even stupid to say, but I feel like I've heard of this before. Possibly. The kidnapping. Possibly. It sounds familiar. I mean, it was everywhere. Right. Marlon hired a private investigator, and authorities found Christian and James Wooster living with, quote, a group of hippies who were hiding him in a tent. Okay, well, let me go out on a limb and say that you should never kidnap or do anything terrible. Of course not. But if you're living with a bunch of hippies, 
off the grid. That was probably the best living situation, or no? Was it well? Bad? The camp was described as extremely filthy. Oh, fuck! This also, kid cannot catch a break. Remember, he has bronchitis. Oh my god, he needs antibiotics. I remember I got bronchitis when I was visiting my then boyfriend at the time in uh, England. Okay. And I couldn't go to the doctor because, like, I wasn't on oh because you were in a different country yeah right and so i had bronchitis for three weeks like (gasps) untreated oh my god bad well yeah sorry that's a really random story i loved every second bronchitis i think that's my point yeah untreated bronchitis is no laughing matter and this kid is 13 yeah yeah he's a child when they found them they were living with five other men a woman and a girl and this group of hippies told police that Anna, I know. I, I like I, your I, hand gestures about the hippies. I do. Kate's gesticulating wildly. I do that. <laughs> it's, it helps. I like it. <laughs> the group of hippies told police that Anna had promised them $10,000 uh, if they kept Christian in hiding. Stop it. From everything I read, it doesn't appear that anyone faced charges in this incident i don't think they could prove that anna had set the whole thing up mm-hmm. but whoa marlon brando was quickly reunited with his son he flew all night from paris to la and met him at the airport and he was granted sole custody for the next 12 months mm-hmm. during which anna was not allowed any contact with her son marlon was able to take christian back with him to paris to finish filming Then he took him to Tahiti, where he owned a cluster of 12 small islands. He had bought an atoll. Is that how you say it? I don't know. I've never, I don't know that I've heard that word. I think it's pronounced atoll. Atoll. And so, yeah, he bought them. So he owned all these islands in Tahiti. By this time, Marlon had already been married two more times. One was annulled because it was discovered that woman had been married to someone else at the time. (laughs) She just like forgot to get a divorce. And the other ended in a divorce. Both of these marriages resulted in two children each. Christian was back and forth with his dad between L.A. and Tahiti and was raised primarily by nannies. He reportedly loved Tahiti because he was treated like a king there. The Brando name was highly respected. So being the son of Marlon Brando had its benefits. Okay. That's something, I guess. It's something. Meanwhile, Marlon is openly having affairs with anyone and everyone, including actress Rita Moreno. Rita! So here's just a little side story about that that has nothing to do with this case whatsoever, but I had to put it in here. Their affair lasted eight years and resulted in Rita becoming pregnant, but Marlon forced her into an illegal abortion from which she almost died. Oh my God, I didn't know that. The two had a very obsessive relationship, and one day while Rita was at his house, he wasn't there at the time, she tried to take her own life by Mm. swallowing a bunch of sleeping pills. Thankfully, Marlon's assistant found her and got her to the hospital in time, and they pumped her stomach and saved her life. A few weeks later, she accepted her Oscar for West Side Story. Holy fuck. Isn't that wild? That is insane. And she's not the only woman that Marlon forced to have an illegal abortion. Just going to say that. I don't talk about any of those other ones, but... This womanizing... Just brandoing it up out there. Christian complained about his dad's constant affairs in an interview years later and said, 
The family kept changing shape. I'd sit down at the breakfast table and say, who are you? Oh, oh. Isn't that... That's disgusting. Horrible. Once Christian was back in L.A. after the whole kidnapping situation, he started buying guns Uh, because he was... why not? Well, he was traumatized. He was scared that he would be kidnapped again. Like, that was a very deep fear. And she did that to him to teach him a lesson or to... I think she was... Get attention from Marlon. I think she was trying to keep him from Marlon. Okay, so she sent him off. I think she sent him off. She had to do something in LA. She might have had a film or something. I'm not sure. Because she did a few films. But, yeah, I think it was to keep him away from... Marlon. Okay. I don't know why she thought that was going to work. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. She's got some screws loose. There's just a lot happening. I do think that there's some mental illness there. And unfortunately, like I said earlier, this is a story about patterns that are repeated. Right. And and it's all bad. (laughs) Everything's bad. Now we're talking about guns. So Christian became obsessed with guns. He also turned to drugs and alcohol. He was using yep. LSD, cocaine, marijuana. Yep. He was drinking heavily. Mm-hmm. He was, and remember, he's a teenager. He was arrested for possession of marijuana, and Marlon had to bail him out. He tried to keep Christian away from drugs, but it was the 70s. It was Hollywood. Oh. And he was the son of Hollywood royalty. So if he wanted drugs, he could get them easily. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. Yikes. On one occasion, he snuck next door to Jack Nicholson's house. Nicholson and Brando lived on the same property. They shared a driveway. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was kind of like a compound that they both lived on. Separate houses. So Christian went over there and stole some marijuana. Jack Nicholson caught him in the act and said, quote, You do that again and I'll break your fucking fingers, man. Don't fuck with Jack. You don't want to mess with him. Christian was picked up by police again when he was caught firing a rifle at an abandoned government building. What? <laughs> I know. It's a lot. <laughs> he was released without being charged, but rather than call his dad to pick him up, he called one of his dad's employees because he was scared Marlon was going to beat the shit out of him. Well, sure. Reportedly, Marlon did hit his son. Marlon had enrolled Christian in an exclusive school in L.A., mm-hmm. but at age 16, he dropped out. After leaving school, he just lounged around at his dad's place with no real direction, no sense of purpose. Marlon would kick him out for days and tell his assistants not to let him back in the house because all he did was sleep all day when he was there. But the thing is, all Marlon did was sleep all day when he was there. So it was just, it was a contentious relationship. It was a very much a like father, like son. Gross. Okay. I wasn't going to put this Frankie scratching at the door. I hear. I wasn't going to put this in because I was like, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. But oh, my God. But this feels like a great place to just throw this (laughs) in. I'm excited. So one of the affairs Marlon was having Mm -hmm. was with actress Jill Banner. And, you know, I'm going to look her up to because she was like known for a certain thing. I'm just going to take this last sip of PSL. Okay. You do it. It's going to be like a. Get that thing out of my face. (laughs) That is so loud. (laughs) Okay, I finished it. Great. Okay, so she played Virginia, the spider baby, in the horror comedy film Spider Baby. And that was kind of like what she was known for. I'm going to be watching that tonight. I know you will. Spider Baby. (laughs) (laughs) Is it a baby that's a spider? I don't know. I guess we got to watch it to find out. So 
Marlon was dating her. Mm-hmm. And when I say like father, like son, mm-hmm. Christian also started seeing her. Ew. When he was a teenager. So there was that. I just had to throw that in somewhere. The spider baby yes. affair. <laughs> affair of the spider babies. Maybe that's the sequel. Don't look up spider baby on Google. Okay. Oh. Is she eating She's spiders? She's eating a spider. No. I'm sorry. I had to look at it. I had no, to I'm look it up. No, I'm glad you did. Now we can all rest easier. I can't. <laughs> Marlon put Christian in a detox program at a hospital, but he was kicked out after just three days. Eventually, his cocaine habit spiraled into a $500 a day addiction. Fuck. Yeah. That is a lot of money and a lot of cocaine. Yes, it's a lot of drugs. And I think he was feeling that. Yeah. And he decided he needed to get out of L.A. So he ran away to Washington State. And he stayed with the family of his dad's longtime assistant, Joanne Corrales. Christian fell in love with Washington. He loved all the nature. He loved fishing. He loved working with his hands. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. He and got he got out. He got out and he began working off and on as a tree trimmer and a welder. Hey. He loved it. It was Great. his thing. That's amazing. But he eventually came back to L.A. Boo. No, stay in Washington. For the rest of his life, he would go back to Washington as much as he could. Okay. In L.A., he split his time between his dad's house and a house his dad bought for him on Wonderland Avenue. Hmm. But having his own place seemed more of a detriment because Christian let it become a crash pad for anyone and everyone, mostly his drug friends. Which, of course, only complicated his relationship with his dad even further. Marlon wasn't exactly the lovey-dovey doting father. I don't know if you caught on to that. You know, that's surprising, Kate. I really thought. Right? Plot twist. Much like his own father, Mm. he was emotionally unavailable and neglected his kids for the most part. He claimed he wanted what was best for them, but he just didn't know how to be a good dad. That's, That's shitty. That sucks. Yeah. And the thing is, he just kept having kids. Fucking stop. He had so many kids. So many, in fact, that like no one really knows exactly how many kids he had. <sighs> Contrac- I mean, contraception was a thing back then, wasn't it? Right? I mean, there were condoms. Like, <laughs> what's happening, guys? Come on, people. This often left Christian to play the role of father figure to his half-siblings. And he grew particularly close to his younger half-sister, Cheyenne. As a teen, Christian had worked the summers in Tahiti at his dad's property, so he was able to spend a decent amount of time with her. Okay. Something. Tarita Cheyenne Brando was born in 1970 and was 12 years younger than Christian. Cheyenne grew up in Tahiti, where she lived with her mom. She seldom saw her dad. But according to classmates, that didn't stop her from making sure everyone knew she was the daughter of Marlon Brando. As a kid, she was kind of enamored with the fact that her dad was famous. A former classmate of hers said that Cheyenne used to go around saying, quote, I am the most beautiful girl in Polynesia, the most intelligent, and also the richest because of my father. She had a little bit of an ego. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> but Marlon <laughs> would not allow her or her brother Tahotu to visit him in the States. He said, quote, As Tahitians, they are too trusting. They would be destroyed in the pace of life in the States. Um, I think you just didn't want to take care of your kids. Marlon rarely went to see them in Tahiti. As Cheyenne got a little older, once she hit her teen years, 
her opinion about her dad began to change. She no longer adored him. She started to see the relationship for what it really was. In a 1990 interview, Cheyenne said, quote, I have come to despise my father for the way he ignored me when I was a child. He came to the island maybe once a year, but really didn't seem to care whether he saw me or not. He wanted us, but he didn't want us. It's sad. It's just tragic all around. She struggled a lot during her teen years. She dropped out of high school and started taking drugs. Everything from pot to LSD to PCP. She's following in Christian's footsteps. Exactly. And she began drinking a lot, like Christian. However, she also got into modeling during this time. Oh, okay. So, like, that was one positive thing, at least. She was really beautiful, and she was seeing some success as a fashion model. She had a promising career ahead of her. And who was her mother? Her mother is, oh, I'm going to I forgot. butcher her name. It's, it's a Tahitian woman, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, he, Marlon met her when he was there filming Mutiny on the Bounty. Okay. Tarita Terapaya. I hope I'm saying that correctly. She was his third wife. She's Cheyenne's third mother. Wife, Cheyenne's, okay. And she was his final wife. Not his final lover. Yeah. By well, any stretch. No shit. By any stretch. So they met when they were filming Mutiny on the Bounty. Mm. She was also an actor. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. And she received a Golden Globe nomination for Best Supporting Actress. Good for her. I just read that. I didn't realize that. In 1987, when Cheyenne was 17, she met 23-year-old Dag Drolet. Like Cheyenne, Dag also came from a prominent family. His father, Jacques Jolet, was a high-ranking political figure in Tahiti and a member of the Assembly of French Polynesia. Mm. The Brandos and the Jolets had been longtime friends. Both families were a big deal on the island. Cheyenne and Dag met at a family gathering and hit it off. After dating for several months, they moved in together. So things were pretty serious between the two. But in 1989, when Cheyenne was 19, things took a drastic turn, both figuratively and literally. Mm. Cheyenne had called her dad, asking if she could come visit him in Toronto while he was filming the movie The Freshman at the time. Marlon told her no. This sent Cheyenne into a rage. She jumped into Dag's Jeep and sped off traveling at about 100 miles per hour. When she came up on a turn, she was going so fast that she couldn't control the vehicle, and she ended up crashing. Amazingly, she survived. Jesus. But she broke her jaw, her face was pretty scratched up, and part of her ear was ripped off. Ow! She had to have reconstructive surgery, and honestly, there doesn't look to be much difference in her before and after pics. Like, they did a really good good job. Okay. But she was left with scars on her face, and her modeling career was over just as it was getting started. Cheyenne blamed her dad for the accident. Even though she was the one that decided to get behind the wheel and drive at 100 miles per hour, in her mind, if Marlon Brando had allowed her to visit him, it never would have happened. Okay, that's, I mean, that's kind of not great logical thinking, but at the same time, like, when you're being treated like garbage by a parent and you're just doing anything for their affection and attention, like... Christian burned his dorm room. Yeah, yeah. She got in a car and drove... That's terrifying. She could have have killed herself herself or or someone else, yeah. Girl... Dag stuck by her side through her recovery, and soon Cheyenne became pregnant. But unfortunately, her mental health took a sharp decline. Mm. 
she was depressed. She was using drugs more and more. And Dag's patience was running thin. Mm -hmm. Dag's father, Jacques, said that Cheyenne was a different person after the car accident. He said she became violent, both physically and in the way she would talk to Dag. Jacques said she would hit people when she got mad and that she had hit Dag. He claimed she also scratched and threw things at Dag when she was in a rage. Sounds like Anna. My next sentence is literally very similar to Marlon's first Mm -hmm. wife. According to Jacques, his son was ready to end things with Cheyenne, and she knew this. Okay. In her previous relationships, she had always been the one to break them off. Mm -hmm. She had never been dumped before. So this didn't help things in terms of her mental health, and her ego, which was once a dominant trait of hers, was really bruised. However, Dag wasn't just going to abandon the mother of his unborn child. She was about eight months pregnant at this point. Marlon Brando had always wanted Cheyenne to have her baby in the States because, according to Dag's family, quote, he had no confidence in French doctors, no confidence in the clinics in Tahiti. And Dag always wanted Cheyenne to go to L.A. to have her baby. I'm not sure why. What? Marlon also felt that Cheyenne could get better psychiatric care in the United States than in Tahiti. So in May of 1990, about a month and a half before she was due, Marlon Brando bought plane tickets for Dag and Cheyenne and Cheyenne's mother to Mm -hmm. come to L.A. and stay with him in his massive house on Mulholland Drive up in the Hollywood Hills. A couple of weeks before leaving, Dag told his family he felt it was best if he and Cheyenne broke up. He was going to go to L.A. with her so he could be there when she had the baby. Mm -hmm. But he was ready to end the relationship for good. Just before they left Tahiti, Jacques told his son that, yes, it was time to end things with Cheyenne, that mentally she was not well. He told him, quote, this is eerie as fuck. You will have great difficulties, perhaps suicide, perhaps she can kill you, or you can die, both of you, because of her. You're going to meet a tragedy with that girl. Your life together smells of tragedy. It smells of death. Oh, my God. The one thing Jacques said he didn't do was insist that Dag not go on the trip, something he would soon deeply regret. God damn it. Cheyenne and Dag slept in different rooms at Marlon's house. She had her own room, and he slept on a mattress on the floor in the den. Mm Mm-hmm. Christian was also living in the house with his father at the time, and I'm sure Christian was happy to have Cheyenne there. Uh, He didn't know Dag that well. They had met a couple of times when Christian was visiting Tahiti, but it was just a good chance for everyone Everyone to kind of- be together, and Christian and Cheyenne are tight. Yeah, exactly. On May 11th, Christian celebrated his 32nd birthday, and then five days after that, on May 16th, he and Cheyenne went out to dinner, just the two of them. Hmm. They dined at the famous Musso and Frank Grill, A bunch of movies and TV shows have been shot there. Tons of famous actors and writers frequented the restaurant, particularly in the days of Marilyn Monroe and Frank Sinatra. Is it still there? It is still there. (gasps) Have you been there? I've shot something there. Oh, fun. During this dinner, I'm not sure about Cheyenne, but Christian had definitely been drinking. He'd already drank a six-pack of malt liquor when Cheyenne confided in him that Dag had been physically abusive toward her. She said Dag would slap her around even while she was pregnant. She told him that Dag was not only physically and violently abusive, but that he was emotionally abusive as well. Once she started talking about this abuse, Christian began drinking harder stuff. Is that, that's not true though, is it? 
Well, we're about to find out. Or will we? Maybe it's in part two. It's not specified what he was drinking, but his blood alcohol level that night reached 0.19. Got Which is pretty drunk, if you're unaware. (laughs) Christian, playing the role of her protective older half-brother, was furious. When they got back to Marlon's house, it was about 10.40 p.m., Christian retrieved a 45 caliber handgun. No, no, no. One no. of many firearms that he owned. Right. And burst into the den where Dag was staying. Mm. According to Christian, he shouted, Are you slapping around my sister? Look it, don't do that anymore. Dag was sitting on the couch in shorts and a bathrobe watching TV. He had the remote control in one hand and a cigarette lighter in the other. Look it. Look I like it. that. That's Look literally it. how it was. So it was like L O O K I T, all one word. We don't say that enough anymore. We're going to start. Look it. Look it, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) Neither of us had anything to say after that. (laughs) Look it. At this point, Christian was standing in front of Dag with the gun pointed at his head. Christian claimed that he just wanted to scare Dag with the gun. He fully believed the safety was on, and as a self-proclaimed gun enthusiast, he would know. He said he then turned to leave the room, but his arm was still outstretched, outstretched. I don't know why I stumbled over that word. And Dag reached for the gun. There was a struggle and the gun went off shooting Dag in the face. Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Was that was that did someone see this? Did Cheyenne see this? Did Brando see it? I'm going to continue the story because some of these questions might get answered I'm for sorry. you I'm... in part 2. Oh. Uh... Dag Drolet died instantly. He was only 26 years old. That sucks. At the sound of the gunshot, everyone in the house went running towards the den. Mm-hmm. Marlon Brando, wanting to protect not just his kids, but yeah. also the Brando name, immediately took over in an effort to control the narrative, which included sending a key witness out of the country. And that's where we're going to end part one. Oh, damn, Kate. It gets wild. Okay, I'm excited to hear the rest. That sucks. I'm interested to know if Dag was actually violent toward Cheyenne. It sounds like she got sent out of the country if she's a witness, right? Or was there another witness? Kevin, all of your questions will be answered in part two. I know, and everything I ask, you're just going to say that to it. So I'll shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you'll have to come back next week. Look it. Be quiet. Look it. Stop asking questions. Listen to me. Uh, but if any of you have questions, you can email them to us at horrorwoodpodcast at gmail.com. Or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at horrorwoodpodcast. Oh, yeah, that's it. I was waiting for the rest. And if you like what you're hearing and you want to hear a little bit more from us and get and some get ghost packages ghost packages and exclusive <laughs> content that's actually like we're we're say we're gonna send one and then we're like <laughs> the people are like where is it like we sent it and it's like we sent it it was a ghost it was a ghost package it's invisible so if you want one of those <sighs> you can head on over to patreon.com slash horrorwood podcast and that's part one folks fuck kate that's a good story <laughs> <laughs> that was so aggressive. Sorry. I'm feeling aggressive because I feel I'm not feeling aggressive. That's that's a bad thing to say. Be aggressive. Be, be, be aggressive. aggressive. 
look it. I am excited for part two. That's Good. all I will say. Good. It's all bad. <laughs> I know. I feel like generally that's what, that's what this podcast is. <laughs> Typically when you have a true crime podcast. Right. It's, it's all bad. Things don't go 